Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey everybody, welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, BallQuest.com and on the BallQuest YouTube channel. If you're watching, hit that like button, please subscribe, and as always, $1 for one year over at BallQuest.com, Tennessee, 8-1, and 4-1 in SEC play, looking to jump back into the winning column against Missouri this weekend. Three very winnable football games for the Volunteers to finish off the regular season, and it all starts with Missouri here this weekend. I'm Eric Kane, Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubs. Got plenty of mail to get into with this mailbag edition of the podcast. We'll go ahead and start with Checkered Nealon. Do you see the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, being pushed for the playoffs rather than an 11-1 Tennessee, Brent Hubs? Yeah, listen, I know there's probably – six million mailbag questions about the college football playoff in this. And I think it's a, an important topic and is worthy of discussion, but at the same time too, I mean, it's week two. Uh, I said this in the, in the Tuesday edition of the podcast storylines are important in, in the college football playoff setting. Uh, when you unveil those things and you look around at those things. So um, it, this thing's going to take every twist and turn known to man, Rob Lewis, um, I understand. I mean, I've gotten the direct messages and the emails. It feels like Heisman 97 all over again, that Tennessee's getting pushed out. It's a, it's a national conspiracy against them. All you can do at this point, if you're Tennessee is go win your football game, hope, you know, and, and know that some teams around you are, are going to play each other and have a chance to get beat. And that starts with Ohio state and, and, and Michigan, what that looks like, what that game looks like. Who, who knows where that puts them in the rankings? What we learned last night or Tuesday night uh, when the rankings came out, the, the narrative of this week, Rob, the storyline, what, what was important this week was different than week one, right? It was five wins over 500 teams this week was an, was an important measuring stick, which wasn't discussed in week one. That's just kind of the, how this thing's going to roll for the next month. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, you, you said it. I mean, you got you got a lot of football left to play. You got a month of football. I just and, and I've looked at it because you know I, I was looking at it for the three two one the other day. I just think Tennessee has by far the best resume of any team that's going to have one loss. I mean, wh- whether it's Ohio State, Michigan, whoever wins that, they're they're the one loss team there. What's their best win going to be? Penn State, Illinois. That doesn't excite me. I mean, the, a one loss Pac twelve team. I mean, you're talking about. Oregon, 49-3 to against Georgia. And AP, I saw you on Twitter. I mean, Georgia pulled their – that could have been 63 to nothing. I mean, Georgia pulled their starters, you know, in the fourth quarter. I mean, when it was 49 to nothing. I just – Tennessee's resume as a one-loss team is, gonna, is going to be better than, than anybody else out there, and I don't think it's particularly close. Yeah, clearly, clearly ESPN got their talking points, and, you know, they pushed them hard yesterday. There's no other way to look at that. I mean, you, you can't – 
do what they said and did yesterday and it not feel that way. And so, um, you know, I get it. At the end of the day, Tennessee's just got to go out there and take care of business. You go back to 98, UCLA lost. Texas A&M upsets Kansas State. You know, um, I mean, these things are going to happen. You go at, you know, win these last three, I can promise you, if TCU were to run the table, kudos, they earned it. I just don't see it. I don't think a lot of people see it. And, and then, you know, one of the two is going to lose in that Ohio State-Michigan game. And so unless that's like, you know, 40 to 38 and just, you know, where one of them doesn't look like they deserve to fall out, it's kind of hard to, you know, see one of those not taking a tumble. Ultimately, I think this comes down to two spots and, you know, uh, you know, out, out of about four teams, Oregon, USC, Michigan, Ohio State loser, Tennessee. And, yeah. and, 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 and maybe LSU if they can somehow run the table. But, again, I don't think anybody else sees them running the table either. Yeah, Eric, for me, the, the, the one thing last night or Tuesday night that, that kind of jumped out at me that was a head-scratcher was what Austin tweeted out about. And, and that's the, the portrayal that this Oregon loss to Georgia was the equivalent of Tennessee losing or Tennessee losing to Georgia was the equivalent of Oregon losing to Georgia in that fashion. That, that, that uh, of everything that's come out to this point, that's the one that's a head scratcher. Tennessee being fifth didn't surprise me. Right. But, but the, the narrative that those two games were the same game is the one that, that just doesn't, I, I can't, I can't figure that way. I can't fathom or, or grasp that one. If, if you watch those two games and I'm not looking at that through orange colored glasses, I'm just, one was a 49-0 beatdown, uncompetitive, and the other was in Sanford Stadium, um, and, and and Tennessee clearly did not play well, but at times did not look completely overmatched the way that it's been portrayed by some. Yeah, I mean, you know, both teams got whipped at points in times in the football game, but again, the final score still counts, right? I mean, Tennessee lost by two scores, and Oregon lost by many more than that. So, Well, just that, like – Tennessee was up by 17 against Florida, took their foot off the gas, trying to get into triple zeros, and almost no. ended up losing the football game. When in reality, if they just keep playing, they're going to keep scoring, and, and they win that game by double digits. So, I mean, like, there's a reason that the game is 60 minutes. There's a reason you have to count every point. Was the game as close Saturday as the score indicated? No. I mean, you know, Georgia was the better football team. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can't act like that they didn't pull their start. As, as Rob said, the game could have been – they could have scored in the 60s easily against Oregon. Oregon had nothing. And I get it. It was game one, right? New quarterback, new coach, all that stuff. But but they've got their talking points. They've got their narrative to push. Now it's up to Oregon and USC to try to, to win out and see if they can push that narrative across the finish line because, you know, I think there's a real shot that Oregon could lose. And I, I think USC s- still is either going to lose the Pac-12 championship game to Oregon – um, or potentially UCLA to round out the regular season. Yeah. Um, I think Tennessee should have been fourth, I was, I, but I expected Tennessee to be fifth. I, I'm not sure how a one-loss uh, – yeah, you know, uh, TCU can be behind a one-loss Alabama team last week, but jumps in front of a one-loss Tennessee team this week. That doesn't add up. But there's well, too many scenarios. Says, it, that's what adds up. It, it, it's made for TV. They yeah, have yeah, to yeah. create their own drama. And, and, and he, he said it last week before it ever came out, and he's right. They have to create their own drama because ultimately it'd be real easy to kind of roll through with the same four teams every week and no one bats an eye at times. And I'm not saying every week, but many times through that playoff era, 
have there been the possibility for it just to never change. But they like create, you know, oh man, did you, well, you know, six wins against teams of 500 or better. Okay, sure. There's too many scenarios that favor Tennessee the, the, the more you play out if you went out. So that's, that's what's important there. Tennessee's still in a good spot. Let's go to Marty. One of my biggest takeaways from last Saturday is that our defense is continually improving. Do you believe that Tennessee's defense can grow to a point this season where they're possibly a worrisome or as worrisome as the offense obviously didn't play well against Kentucky and Georgia or the pit game? I, I don't so, think they can get there, but but I think they're a better team. They're definitely a better defense, Rob. They're, they're better than they were when, you know, against Pittsburgh, against Florida in the first half, but no, they're just – it's not going to matter. I mean, the offense—it's the best offense in the country. Before you went into last week, I mean, it, average SEC defense at best. I'm not going to waste a lot of breath on that. Now, Hendersonville Vol, since Georgia figured out how to slow Tennessee's offense down, are you worried that Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt will be able to do the same or something similar in that fashion, Austin? Blueprint, hover. I'm not worried about it at all, at all. Uh, I'm not worried about it at all. I think Tennessee's really motivated this week. Uh, you know, in talking to Jalen Hyatt last night uh, when we taped Vol Club Confidential, I think that every one of these players is, is motivated. I think that the game plan they've got is to come in and, oh, you know, if they can hang 60 on them, they're going to try to hang 60 on them. Like they, that's, I, don't, I think that's the mentality these last three weeks. I don't think there's going to be any – you know, there's no more, you know, Mr. Nice Hypel. Like, I mean, like, I think it's going to be, if you can put it on him, you put it on him. And, you know, he knows style points matter. And as you guys have talked about, that's Tennessee's style anyways. But, you know, I don't think you'll see them trying to, you know, just get it to the triple zeros like they did against Florida. I think this is keep scoring. Just keep scoring till triple zeros. Yeah, I think the most motivated group out of the, out of the offense, ironically, maybe the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Um, with that. And, and I, I don't know that a lot of people talked about that. You know, there's so much discussion about blueprint and, and figuring out how to stop the, the the passing game and Hendon Hooker held the ball this or this, that the other. That offensive line, particularly in the in the guard, center guard area, didn't play well. Uh, they, they got they got pushed around up front with, with interior pressure. That is a prideful group um that, that has some lofty goals and, and I know um they were extremely disappointed with, with the way things went in Athens, Georgia. I, I will of all the groups on offense, they will that's the group I think will be the most different from last week to this week. Even though this is a Missouri team that's aggressive up front and does some different things. I, I think this offensive line bounces back in a pretty big time way this week. And again, it, it, it's it's nice that you get that home game. You know, I, I I've said that all year. It's not about it, to me, it's how Tennessee's schedule is structured. It's 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 set up, and I mean it is what it is. Like they didn't set the the, the conference schedule; it just kind of plays out this way. It's set up where you 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 have this tough loss at Georgia, and you didn't have to go on the road again. You get to come home, which is is good for that offensive line that you're talking about, Hubbard, because they don't have to go right back into the fire of a road game. They get to come home and kind of you know let their aggression out on Missouri. Let's get some hoops questions in here. I am 410 EC. Rob, did UT Rick Barnes pull the plug too early on Drew Pember? Um, asking him to look around for greener pastures. It seems like he developed into a really nice player, uh, at least the player UT thought he could be, uh, with another program that's crushing it. 
Uh, Tennessee didn't pull the plug on Drew Pepper. Drew, Drew Pepper pulled the plug on Tennessee. In, in very simple. Did Tyreek Key fly under the radar out of high school, and how did UT miss on him out of high school? Or was he just not taken because UT was uh, UT was after a bigger fish? Tennessee did not miss on him out of high school. Tennessee recruited him uh, his senior year. Uh, they didn't have a spot for him early. Uh, that was – I can't remember who the kid was, but there was somebody in the team that that everybody in the staff knew was not going to be on the team next year. They told Tyreek, if you'll wait until April, we're going to have a spot for you. We, we want you. We want to sign you. And um, Tyreek, I, I don't – I'm not saying he didn't trust Tennessee, but, he, you know, he, he had some offers on, on hand at the time, Indiana State being one of them. He wanted to sign early and – and, you know, get that out of the way. And so he did not wait. But ten- Tennessee liked him out of high school and, and would have taken him had he waited until the late period. Did, did Has he uh, – uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, this is just – I don't know. I'm ignorant. Um, had, did he play four years at Indiana State? And this played is four the years, fifth year? Played four years and did okay. not play last year. He had shoulder surgery in the preseason, so shut it down. So he, he would have been a fifth-year COVID senior last year. And so technically this is his sixth year. Okay, that's why I was asking, is he a one-for-one? Because, one? I mean, all these kids are confusing. The football side of things, I thought Byron Young is done. Technically, he's got another year. But I don't think he'll take it. And, and oh, there's, technically, there's a couple I mean, like that. I mean, Josiah, Santiago, Olivia, I mean, all those I mean, all those guys technically could come back. I don't know that any of them will. I don't expect them to, but, you know, theoretically. Kind of on that note, shifting back to football, balls rule eight. AP just trying to piece it together what the team could look like next year. Who could return that are seniors right now? <clears throat> Excuse me. Listing off Jacob Warren, Byron Young, Aaron Beasley, J.J. Crawford, Romel Keaton, Roman Harrison. Technically, all those are seniors. I, I'm not sure about J.J. Crawford. Sorry, he lists him here. I don't know if he's a senior, but those are all seniors. How many of those guys do you see potentially returning next year? Well, and Warren, some others? Warren could. I think a year ago he was. I think he's going to go through senior day on uh on saturday and then could still potentially return but i would say leaning to not right now but again a lot can change between the now now and the next month and a half in a kid's mind um jj crawford will be back um who who else were you naming i would imagine aaron beasley would be back i would imagine aaron beasley will be back yes byron young's probably gone byron young uh probably gone i'll tell you a name that i think potentially could come back and i don't even think i realized this until Oh, Tuesday. But Jawan Mitchell can actually come back again. Well, you know, and because he's got a COVID year. I thought this was a six year. Nope. Gosh, it is getting confusing on the football side of things. And, I was talking and, with Sean Barrows the other day. For sure too. So I think there's a possibility he could come back. Keep going with your list. Uh Romel Keaton is a true senior Roman I think Harrison's Keaton a true will be senior. Back. Like both those guys coming back. Um, and then there, there are others that he didn't mention, like Darnell Wright's a senior. He's gone. Jeremy Banks is a senior. He's likely gone. Um, Cedric Tillman is a senior. He's likely gone. Princeton fans out of eligibility. Out of eligibility, yep. On the offensive line, out of eligibility. Yeah, yeah, so. And again, like, how many guys do we see? Jalen McCullough could come back. Technically, Trayvon Flowers could come back, but, uh, you know, we'll see if he does. It gets really confusing. And just because you see a guy out there going through senior day. Trayvon Flowers cannot come back. Are you sure? Yes. He's played four years. This was his fifth. Did he not have a medical redshirt one year? Because he he had two significant injuries. I know, but he played more than the four. Okay. 
He's he's yeah. me and Sean Barrows were crunching the numbers yesterday trying to figure out Trayvon Flowers because of all that. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see I thought exactly. Both safeties were in the same boat, but technically, Flowers and McCullough are not the same because Flowers never redshirted. I got you. All right, let's go to let's go to let's get some recruiting in here. It's been a while since we've had a recruit to the magnitude of Nico. How much uh, do you think he carries over into the 2024 class, Austin? Those guys know that they're going to be playing with him as well. I think it definitely helps uh, with the offensive skill. Um, you know, if, if you're a receiver, um, you know, you're looking and saying, okay, who, who's got what at quarterback? You know, if, if I'm a receiver, I'm looking, okay, Drake Mays in North Carolina for the next couple of years. Okay, Nico's at Tennessee for the next couple of years. Dante Moore is at Oregon for the next couple of years. I, I'm looking at it if I'm a younger receiver, even though I'm a, a class or two younger, thinking, okay, when I go there, I'm going to have somebody that's got arm talent that can get me the ball. So I do think that it does help um, with, with uh, you know, with the future classes, especially at the skill spots. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Brent, can you go into a little bit more detail and depth on how and what it means that Danny White and the UT administration publicly supporting Spire and the Volunteer Club. Are they more in line with other programs in the SEC, or is this another leg up in the new landscape? Well, no, I think that everybody's in the same landscape with the NCAA making the ruling that they made a couple of weeks ago, which allows the collective and the university to work together uh, in conversation and, and in details in regards to current student athletes. I think current student athletes is the key word there. Obviously that doesn't deal with re anything in recruiting or anything out there, uh, but, but it's significant because it allows um, it allows Spire to be attached to the university um, and, and it allows coaches to endorse a collective for the first time. Uh, and we've not seen that before. There, there is also um, movement afoot that, you can, as a donor, you can earmark some of your money to a collective and still get donor points for it, uh, for, for your, for your, uh, where your ranking is in terms of your pecking order of, of seats and parking passes and all those things as well. So, uh, it's significant and it's a significant ruling by the NCAA because of that ruling. Um, Danny White in Tennessee has moved forward with the plan. I think the notion that Danny White was always anti NIL was, was unfair I think he was extremely cautious. I think the administration was cautious because of the NCAA investigation and because the NCAA came out and, and kind of, you know, said, don't deal with collectives, right? And, and so some people took that as a gray area, Austin, where they endorsed some places. We saw that at Ohio State. You saw that at Auburn with their previous administration. 
Tennessee was not going to be in that gray area, given the fact that the NCAA was on their campus and was in the middle of an investigation. Now that there's clarity in the rules, Tennessee has moved forward and wants to be uh, aggressive and successful in NIL. Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, you look at Matt Hibbs down in Georgia. He was literally on the field in the middle of the of, of all the massive humanity there with, with the players um, after the game Saturday. So, I mean, like everybody handles things differently. Uh, I do think it's a very much a positive that you've seen, you know, them come out and endorse it. I think you'll see Hypel come out and, and be more vocal about Spire in the coming days. The, the one thing that, that um, you know, really sticks out to me is that, you know, you've kind of started to see some real alignment there because I think, you know, there are some of the older donors that, you know, follow the lead of the athletic department. And so when, you know, Tennessee was being more cautious, some of those older donors were like, well, we're going to be cautious too. Now that you've seen them go and, and get in the pool, I think you'll see other people get in the pool, which I think helps because ultimately I think Danny White can, Danny White and Josh Heupel can be the two greatest spokesmen for their collectives, whether that's Booster Club, Spire, whoever, um, because fans listen to the AD, fans listen to the head coach. They have the biggest voice, you know. People at Spire can say till they're blue in the face, hey, we need to raise money. That doesn't mean people are going to give. But when Danny White says it, it carries a lot of weight. When Josh Heupel says it, it carries a lot of weight. So I think this is a, a big positive for Tennessee, um, and, and I think will will help going forward. Let's get back to football. A Vols fan for you, Rob. We don't often see it too much, but is Hooker a good rollout passer? It seems to me after the staff recognized that Georgia was going to be bringing pressure consistently, they would have looked to get him ways out of the pocket, try to create a few extra seconds to allow him to throw to open receivers. If there is a rematch, do you see something like this working itself into the game plan, the, the rollout passing? I, I mean, I think he throws fine on the move. I mean, don't you guys? I just don't – I mean, the rollout, when, you, when you're always out of the shotgun and, you know, kind of spread out, I, I think that kind of takes takes the, you know, the, the classic stereotypical naked bootleg type stuff out of the equation. I mean, I don't think that's part of the playbook, just mainly because of the formations. They're, they're always in, but I, I, I think Hooker throws, throws fine on the move. Yeah, I don't, think he has a, I don't think he has a problem on the move. I think one of the things Georgia did a really good job of, and, and Kirby Smart talked about it after the game, is they did not want their pass rush getting past Hendon Hooker on the outside. They wanted to, they wanted, really wanted to try to keep him in the pocket and squeeze the pocket because they felt like they could get interior pressure. They did not want to get interior pressure and have a defensive end collapse and give up a soft corner where he could roll out. So if you go back and watch that game, Eric, if he was going to roll out, he was going to have to belly out 10 or 12 yards to get mm -hmm. outside the defensive end, which from a timing standpoint was going to be a real issue there. So um, if those two teams played again, both teams would, would do some things different. Obviously, Tennessee would, would go about attacking some things differently, I'm sure. I think he throws it fine on the run. Um, but with the spread stuff and what they do, I don't think that being a, quote, you know, 15, 20-time-a-game rollout passer – is going to be a part of this offense. It's, it just hasn't been to this point. Well, and I think if they play again, it's for the national championship because I don't think that they'll rematch them in the semifinals. Until they actually do that, I just don't see it because I think it, 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 it you want a, you want a, a freshness to the semifinals. Yeah. Um, and, and I just don't know if they they they'll do the rematch in the semifinals. So I think you know either way, you're playing in the college football playoff if you get a rematch, and that's house money for the balls.
we've seen it twice already, right? Both teams, you know, both games had Georgia in it, so maybe it'll happen a third time. Uh, West Tennessee Mike, thoughts on getting Arian Carter's last official visit, Austin? I think it's great. Um, you know, Tennessee kind of drew their line in the sand. They were willing to, you know, to, to lose out on Arian Carter. Basically, in their mind, I think they felt like, hey, if he comes for the Kentucky game and we get a 24-hour visit or a really quick visit, our chances are, are slim and none anyway, so there's no point to bring him in. So they kind of drew their line in the sand, and um, I, I think it worked because the kid ultimately really wants to come on an official visit here, and so thus it was, hey, I, I really want to be done when the calendar turns to December, but I want to see Tennessee more. And so what you're, you're seeing here is, you know, Tennessee winning out, kind of playing hardball and recruiting a little bit, and, and it worked to their favor here. They could have easily lost out on Aaron Carter, and they still may, right? I mean, he could still go to Alabama just because he's visiting here last. But I do think that it gives them a real shot now, whereas before I think the chances, much like Tennessee felt like it was, were, were really slim had he visited for the Kentucky game and then went on all the other visits in November and visited Alabama at the end of November. Austin, would they have played that the same way had he been on campus four or five times in the summer or been here before? Or do you think that was a different play because he had not experienced Tennessee? I mean, because they don't draw the line in the sand on everybody. Was that different because late bloomer, late offer, had not seen Tennessee on multiple unofficial visits? I think so. I mean, they've just not spent a whole lot of time with him. Like, I mean, he's come up to a game or two, and, 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 and that's great. But you just on those game weekends – you just lose out on so much time. I mean, I was stunned when David Hobbs, I mean, he stayed, they kept him a full 48, which is why he didn't leave campus uh, Saturday and, or, or when he started Saturday, he didn't leave till Monday morning at 8 a.m. Um, you know, Tennessee elects not to do that. A lot of their game plan is Sunday, so they spend a lot of time Sunday in meeting rooms, game planning for the next opponent. That's a huge game plan day for, for Tennessee. That's why they try to avoid in-season officials if they can if they can handle it. And, and I know they, they just feel like, hey, this is going to be a quick visit, quick turnaround. Chances are, are slim. We've got to be able to get him here in December, take our shot then. We may not get him then, but we at least feel better about our opportunity. All right, let's go to Canada Vol. Kaner keeps ignoring my questions. I'll keep rephrasing it. Here we go. We got, we got you this you week. In the past, it? schools with, with unique, high-powered offensive had difficulty in fielding equally good defenses. The Big 12 is full of examples. Can Tennessee have that kind of offense, which everyone knows stresses the defense, and still regularly, regularly recruits elite-level defensive players like Georgia and Alabama? I mean, who, who's, like who's, had a, who's had a better offense in Alabama in the last three or four years, you know, since Saban brought Kiffin in and embraced, you know, the spread, hurry up, and that, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not one or the other. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many, how many draft picks has Alabama had on defense well, since they've been, since they've had Tua or Bryce, you know, Bryce Young or Mac Jones, first round quarterbacks throwing it all over the place? It's no one, no impeditive. Yeah, and here's the here's the thing too: defensive football and college football is vastly different now than it was, you know, eight years ago, right? I mean, it, it's the the game's different, and, and so you're not playing, you know, you're not playing that LSU Alabama. What was that? 10, 6 to three, nine, nine to six, six three. What you're not, I think you're not playing six. those games, you know? That that's not what you're playing in a championship game anymore because the game has changed. That's why everybody's looking for an offensive head head football coach, right? 
you're, you're trying to sell tickets, but, but you're also that you have to keep pace, right? That's, that's where it's at. And so you have to be able to score points. Yes. You got to play defense, but um, you're, you're not the lone exception out there. This is not the Houston run and shoot with Andre Ware from 20 years ago where you're throwing it 65 times and you're putting your defense in a bad spot. This is what everybody in college football is doing. I mean, to, to some degree, everybody is playing football this way. So that's why I don't think it's the – I agree with Rob 100%. So well, and we, also, I mean, should we inform Hubs that he played 30 years ago, Rob? I was going to say, I know we talked about this last week. But I mean, hey, newsflash, Georgia is second in the nation behind Tennessee in total offense going into last week. You know, and the, 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 nobody was really talking about it, but, I mean, they were 530 yards a game. And without I mean, real, like, dangerous I mean, that, playmakers, right? Yeah, I mean, that just – I mean, to Hubbard's point, that's the way college football is played. I mean, it's it's wide open. And, yeah, I mean, that, just because you play that way on offense doesn't mean anything about what you can recruit on defense. All right, let's get some rapid fire here from Athron. Um, Hooker-Heisman campaign, did it end last week? Austin. No, I mean, I think he can still be a finalist. Um, but I, I – I think that, you know, he's got to have some guys, you know. Michigan's got to be Ohio State. Well, but see, once that happens, the Michigan yeah, running true. back is going to vault right up the conversation. So, like, true, to me, true. that's pick your poison. I think, you know, Bryce Young, as good as he is, being on a two-loss team hurts him a little bit. But, I mean, honestly, if you said best player in college football, I'm taking Bryce Young. I mean, he's a freak, man. I mean, it, it, just ridiculous. Now, I don't know how his size holds up at the next level, but, I mean – what he does with keeping his eyes down the field is whew, special. I think I think he's got a ball out these last three weeks, and I think he'll be a finalist. But it didn't That's end last week, which goes but. hand in hand with what Tennessee needs. Right? They need yeah. style points. They need they need to win big. Hendon Hooker needs big stats to get into that conversation. So to me, if if you get one, you get both. Will Tennessee add another DB in this class via high school JUCO or transfer? Um, at least is there a, still a big need there with the emergence of slaughter and turnage at cornerback? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, you, you know, you never know what you're going to get as far as like people going in the portal. Um, so yes, I, I think that it's possible. Um, I think you don't see them go with a DB per se. I think it's more of a safety. Um, Tyler Scott makes the most sense, but again, Sylvester Smith, he's going to get a call from the new Auburn head coach. Does he give him a look? I mean, I've, I've been saying it for weeks. Like to me, he is a perfect candidate. Um, to look around. Not that Tennessee wants him to look around. They want to keep him. They think he's had a phenomenal year. But, you know, again, sometimes close to home, family, all that stuff wins out. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think Tennessee probably adds another DB in some form or fashion somewhere along the way. Over under one and a half commits by Monday. Uh, one and a half? Yeah. I'll go under. i never yeah. seen one, Paul. <laughs> and so, somebody the, will get that reference at rob lewis not, not many but someone along the way will will get my horatio reference i hope kane has no idea what i'm talking no idea so lost as always who's the main quarterback target in the 2024 class um you know Jaden davis um you know i'm not sure they're well, real it's going to be hard it's going to be hard in 20 it's going to be hard 100 percent um merklinger is that his name who um, gosh, I from South Georgia. Mar- yeah, Savannah. Marklinger. Yeah, I mean he's one of them, and so's uh, the Cutler Bowley. Yeah, twenty-five. I think would be George McIntyre. 
Okay. Uh, here we go. We Madden. got a question from Vol Manic. Why was Tennessee so much more successful moving the ball against Georgia last year against a better front seven, Rob? I don't have the answer to that question. Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't remember them moving it that great. I guess they did in between the twenties, if I remember that game correctly. But I, I, I can't answer that question. I mean, this is a better offense by any any metric you want to throw out there. I think Georgia was better in the secondary. I, I think they played better in the secondary. Uh, this game, they tackled much better. I think they, um, you know, did, did a nice job of mixing some stuff up in, in the back end. And and Tennessee hit a couple of plays. I mean, what, what does the stats look like if you hit Jalen Hyatt? What does the stat look like if you hit Brew McCoy? There's another 100 yards of offense, right? Two yeah. more trips in, you know, two more potential red zone trips or, or two scores there. So, you know, they hit a couple of plays last year uh, that, that they didn't hit this year that that changed the the look of that um a, a good bit um and home versus away yeah you know changed the dynamic of their play calling with all the penalties and, and all those things i don't i think georgia probably did less this year they probably simplified some defensive stuff i think they executed what they had this year better than last year last year they caught georgia a couple times um in, in some in some bad schematics and and, and got the the chaos that you're looking for and creating confusion. They did not create that confusion on Saturday. Credit to Georgia for that. Tennessee didn't help create any confusion because of all the stoppages and plays with penalties and, and changing the sticks and, and down the distances and all that stuff, Eric. We'll do a couple more. Let's go back to uh, hype train here. I'm sure you've addressed it, but I uh, haven't been on here much. Uh, what's the situation with Hobbs after uh, this past weekend? Uh, leaving that official visit, Austin. Where's Tennessee with Hobbs? Georgia replaces Alabama as Tennessee's main competition. Uh, I won't say Alabama's out, but I feel like they're 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 kind of out. Um, I think this is Tennessee and um, and Georgia. I'm interested to see where he's at come the weekend. You know, he had a great time in Athens. Uh, never, I don't believe he privately committed to Georgia or anything like that, which is a real positive if you're a Tennessee uh, fan. Um, but at the same time, like, I think he kind of got swept up in the, the momentum of the weekend. Um, so I, I think his feelings were really, really strong coming out of the visit. Are they still strong come this weekend? Or has he kind of died back down, had a chance to coach Coach Heupel, Coach Garner, and all of a sudden Tennessee's got some of the momentum back? You know, I, not to say that Georgia was the leader coming out of the weekend. I'm just saying, like, they went from kind of third to nipping right there at Tennessee's heels and not tied with Tennessee, in my opinion. Um, that's kind of where I am at with it, uh, as we say here on Thursday. All right, let's end here with Sam Smith. How much does it hurt Tennessee that uh, that Tennessee's not going to play a ranked team the last three weeks of the season when TCU, Oregon, and USC play ranked teams to close out the year? Is it as much as, I know it's a lot of, what have you done for me lately, but Tennessee's played ranked teams this year. Tennessee's performed well. Should that hold up, Brent? Uh, well, it depends on what the narrative is, right, Rob? I mean, you know, is it the, you know, the narrative of they were ranked when you played them, now they're not ranked. Um, I mean, not having not having a game against a high-quality opponent down the stretch here after the Georgia loss it isn't the greatest scenario for Tennessee. That's why they need help, Rob. I mean, that, that's why they need some teams to lose around them. Yeah, but I mean, outside of Michigan and Ohio State, I mean, there's not really a marquee ma- – I mean, I know USC and UCLA play, but that's, that's going to be an elimination game. I mean – that you know the, the two of loses that one is, is out and I, I just 
I don't think it's a huge deal. I mean, would it be better if you, you know, maybe played Kentucky or, you know, at least, you know, LSU or somebody this late? Yeah, but I just, I just, maybe I'm naive. I I think the body of work is is by far the the most impressive of of any of these teams we're talking about. And that LSU win just keeps looking better and better. It it only, it only matters what happens after the games are played because if, those teams go out and win and run the table, then they're going to benefit from playing those ranked opponents the last three weeks. And Tennessee won't. But Tennessee also, if they go out and win, they have less chance of getting you know, getting bit by an upset. Those other teams could easily lose and all of a sudden wish they had those easy games that Tennessee had the last three weeks. So I think it, I think it, it just boils down to how the games play out because I think some of those teams are going to wish, man, I wish I'd had a little easier – you know, run there at the end of the season like Tennessee did. Great questions here today. We had plenty of them. We got to most of them. So, as always, thanks so much for getting your questions in every single week for the Mailbag Podcast. We tape it every single Thursday right here at VolQuest.com and on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe. We're already over 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. We need to get to 16, guys. Then we need to get to 17. Thank you so much for helping us out there. Please pound that like button as well. The goal is always 500 likes on every single video right here on YouTube. Still, right now, $1 for one year over at VolQuest.com. Come and hang out with us at Tennessee. Looks to finish the season strong. 8-1 and one right now. Could finish 11-1 Missouri, the next challenger here on Saturday. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for getting in those questions on the Mailbag Podcast right here at VolQuest.com. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.